Hi, my name is Mandy Jackson Beverly. Welcome to the Bookshop Podcast. Each week, I present interviews with authors, independent bookshop owners from around the globe, publishing professionals, and specialists in subjects dear to my heart the environment and social justice. To help the show reach more people, please share it with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. You're listening to episode 230. Founded by Polly Buxton in 2016, Buxton Books is an independent, Charleston-based bookseller with a focus on books written about South Carolina and the American South. Buxton Books' mission is to support the local reading and writing community through book-based walking tours, author events, and conversation. Hi, Polly, and welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you here. Oh, hi, Mandy. It's my pleasure. Let's begin with learning about you and the story behind opening Buxton Books, because it is such a sweet, sweet story. That is a favorite. I wish Julian was here because he loves to tell this one. Um, but I I do too. I tell a little bit abbreviated story, though. But uh, Julian and I, um, this December, will have been married 10 years. And uh, it was on our first date 11 years ago that he asked me what my work dream was. And I immediately responded, I don't have a work dream. I have work and I have dreams, but I don't think that they meet. But later into the night, we, we talked and um, getting along so well. And I circled back and said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, because it's something that I, you know, shelved long ago. Um, but I've always wanted to have a bookstore uh, in Charleston, uh, but it doesn't make any sense financially or just where the world was with bookstores at that point. And he agreed and we went on and flash forward uh, about three years later, by then we were married and my phone rang and believe it or not, we had not talked about the bookstore in all of that time. But he said to me, I'm standing in your bookstore. And to, to have him tell it, uh, it was kind of the first of kind of some mystical things that happened, little miracles along the way, where he said that the door was just opened and kind of beckoned him in to this little corner store over on the waterfront that had kind of absurdly low rent, um, which later found out is because it was um, prone to flooding. But we, um, but anyway, it was the right place at the right time for us. And very long story short, because I was still a little bit reluctant, because all of those obstacles were still there, of course. But I uh, came to work full time and we, he actually had a walking tour company, uh, which is very interesting. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit later, but he had a walker, walking tour company. So the bookstore grew out of the walking tour company. So we started with a book room. We called it the Buxton Books Room. And we are now um, in, in year eight and we are on King Street at 160 King Street now. And so that was another little miracle that happened is uh, we were doing lots of pop-ups for authors, for author events. That's one of the main things we like to focus on. We're very community focused and event focused. And one of our venue partners was the Charleston Library Society, which is the second oldest circulating library in the country. And we were working, I had my wagon and my a little Prius, and I would show up with books there. And the then director, she's now retired, but Anne Cleveland, she really transformed the Charleston Library Society. And she invited us 
into a space that is on King Street that they actually own. So it's this kind of phenomenal partnership with a nonprofit that has um, some shared values and uh, we still continue to work together. It's not all that we do, but we do have this wonderful space on King Street, which in Charleston, which we otherwise would not likely be able to have a bookstore there. So it's, a, again, relationships and, and little bits of miracles. Yes, a little bit of serendipity for sure. Yes, no, exactly. Yeah, we feel like all these little points of light kind of have been dictating and reminding us that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Oh, I love that feeling, that little tickling on your arms that says, yeah, you're on the right path. It's, uh, it's fun. And it definitely puts a smile on your face. Well, again, Julian would love that. It's also about the power of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, Polly, could you talk a little bit more about the connection between the store and the book-based walking tours? So Julian and I both grew up here in Charleston. We both left. He to California. I was in uh, France and did not know that we would move back to Charleston. I think both of us had kind of said we wouldn't live here again. But here we are. We're back home. Charleston has a way of pulling people back. But also it's not the same Charleston we grew up with. Some of those parts we miss, but a lot of it is good change and necessary change. And uh, economically, it is a stronger city, but also it is just um, evolving and more diverse and more able and interested in supporting an independent bookstore. We just feel very lucky that we're able to do this and again, celebrate the power of storytelling through books and author events, but also these walking tours from which we grew. And that's something that we do it in a way, everything that we do, we try to honor the city of Charleston, try to honor our home and the people who call this home and uh, new and old residents, you know, it's good. You mentioned that Charleston is not the Charleston from your youth. And this reminded me of some of the events you hold at Buxton Books, because you not only hold author events, but events you feel are essential to your local community, such as talks on voting rights and the Supreme Court. How is the turnout for these events? And do you hold them within the bookshop or at other venues? Uh, both. So we, we do. We have a, a wonderful space, again, on King Street at 160 King, and we can squeeze in about 60 people in the bookstore if we move furniture around, which we love to do. From the beginning, we partner with other venues. So other organizations, uh, churches, libraries, the Charleston Library Society, um, other theaters and venues. And so depending on the event and what the expected turnout is, we we try to partner with the appropriate venue, if that makes sense. And uh, but it all kind it all goes into this concept. Really, the heart and soul of the bookstore is about um, community, about connection and uh, conversation, you know, embracing the conversation and really making sure that we honor the authors, honor the stories, honor opposing ideas. Uh, hearing you say opposing ideas, that is one of the reasons why I love independent bookshops. We can still go there and talk and have discussions about opposing views. That's one of the main reasons I support independent bookshops. I could not agree more. I think it's more important than ever. Um, it's always been important, but um, but more important than ever. And and even as our libraries and um, other places that should be safe have come under attack, and um, and for all kinds of reasons, we've watched really to to our dismay some of these places becoming less 
open and uh, less able to host the difficult conversations where there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation that's out there, a lot of censorship. And independent bookstores, is we don't answer to anyone. So we get to have, um, we get to host and be a place, a safe place, as you said, for conversations. And our experience has been that there is just a sense of respect that happens within the space of our independent bookstore, most independent bookstores, that people do act civil. They may disagree, but they they do so in a way that I have never felt. Um, I feel the way that it should be. The conversations should be both respectful and that we should not be afraid of having them. And so we we have been uh, we have an incredible team of people working. Uh, we we started as a mom and pop bookstore, really. It was Julian and me, and and occasionally one or two other booksellers. But we have grown into something that's really quite special and that what we are capable of doing now, we would never be able to do without the extraordinary team of people with whom I work and um, that we get to work. And and as a whole, we're always talking amongst ourselves and encouraging one another to ask the hard questions, to disagree. And uh, we try to host conversations and authors that challenge us as well, our community, but also us personally. As an outsider looking in, I can't help but get back to serendipity. Uh, If I was writing your story, your and Julian's story, I would have to think that perhaps this was the reason you were both brought back to Charleston. And that, as you said earlier, your journey is about stories. So here you are, both back in Charleston. You offer the community and tourists the book-based walking tours, and all of these fabulous events. And I know that takes courage to do that. So kudos to you and Julian for making this happen. It's not easy, and you do get resilience. It is, I will tell you, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And I don't, again, I don't, um, not to be falsely humble, but uh, we really are, are doing what we feel we're supposed to be doing, but not in a not in a a heroic way. We get up every day and again, are very grateful for the opportunity to do something that we love, to do work that we love, to get to work with an extraordinary group of people and to get to commune with with our community, with the residents of Charleston and the visitors of Charleston. We're very much a Charleston community bookstore and there is an incredible visiting community that comes here and people tend to come back to Charleston again and again. And um, back to the walking tours, um, my husband wrote a book called The Ghost of Charleston, which one of those first dates, the book had, was out of print at that point. And I asked him about it and he said he was tired of being the ghost guy. And then uh, we decided that a precursor to the bookstore was that we started a little publishing. We were trying to figure out how to make money and be married um, and, and live. And I, when I, we looked at the numbers, I said, oh, you get to be the ghost guy a little bit longer. It makes me this is a good book. <laughs> It was a really, it's a really literary and fun to read. Um, he's an historian, so it's it's kind of ghost stories from a different angle. And they're really, they're really fun and interesting. And so the, the ghost tours leave from the bookstore at night, which is interesting. And then we also have, um, for seven years, we've worked with a professor, uh, Damon Fordham. And Damon is uh, a storyteller and uh, has a teacher's heart. And he gives his tour called Lost Stories of Black Charleston, which... Uh, he had a wonderful accolade, many, but the most recent one was that the New York Times said 36 hours in Charleston, that this was the first thing on their list to do was to go on Damon's, to come to Buxton Books, which they called a friendly bookstore. 
and uh, and to go on a walking tour with Damon. So, um, you know, we're very we're very proud of how that works into the conversations, and again, encourages book sales, but mostly encourages conversation and evolution of of thought. Yeah, and I think it's a lot to do with people being curious, and humans love to learn through storytelling. I guess that's why I love fiction because I'm able to put myself into a character's point of view and feel what they're feeling. I enjoy reading nonfiction and fiction, but I'm drawn to fiction. I do too. I mean, I love fiction and nonfiction, anything that's well-written or well-told. But again, it's, I think it's actually that experiential thing that we're real people telling real stories or having these authors recommending a book, you know, whether it's a bookseller recommending the book in person. And again, I'd love our e-commerce to be better. We're working on a website so that that can be even better. But really, it's often just a person coming in and asking for this book and leaving with this one. And it's, um, or leaving with two. I don't know. It's a, I love the experience of it, that it's an actual connection. Um, and real conversations that are happening in real time, whether they're collective conversations or individual. I don't know. It feels such, I feel very um, honored and grateful that we get to be a part of this and that the Charleston community and the visiting community embraces it. And that's a good segue into my next question. Can you talk about the curation of Buxton Books and how it reflects the local Charleston community and also your uh, visitors from out of town? Well, that's funny. When we, I mentioned earlier that we started with a single room in our first store and then grew into the entire space, but we put a lot of thought into the curation. But it ends up being quite uh, interesting because we are an events motivated store. Much is curated through our events. So a lot of what you find on our shelves uh, is directly correlated to the authors that we host. Of course, we're doing front list and we're paying a lot of attention to what people want and what is getting the most publicity but also a lot of it is is that we actually are hosting these authors and so we are featuring their books we have lots of signed copies and uh but also that those are the those relationships that are built between booksellers and the authors and the publishers uh, help us know what we want to promote but we have a wonderful staff that ranges. Not everyone is my age. <laughs> Julian and I are older. We're the oldest people in the bookstore. But we have college and grad students and um, post-grad, overqualified, wonderful readers. We have lots of people contributing to the curation. But I would say that it's an interesting curation in the space because it's front list combined with uh, a lot of author events. What is wonderful about author events is that if your audience enjoys the book that the author is talking about, their latest novel or latest nonfiction book, they're more apt to go and look up the backlist of that author. And so that creates this flow of reader enjoyment and for them to come back to the bookshop to be getting the backlist as well as the front list. Absolutely. And, and, and also, I think it's important to note that we only sell new books So uh, that was a very deliberate decision on our part. I love collectible books. I love finding a beautiful old copy somewhere. And But I don't know that I had the language for this, but we talk fairly frequently about the ecosystem of publishing and that by buying a new book, especially from living authors, obviously we don't only carry living authors, but 
but new books keep books in print. It's how we get to have uh, new stories from beloved authors, but it's also how we get to hear new voices. And so, and when you buy a new book from an independent bookstore, you're not only contributing to the ecosystem of publishing, but that stays within your own community and contributes to the conversation within the community. Yes, and I have written an essay about this, which I'll put in the show notes. For any readers who go into a bookstore, take a photo of a book, and then go back home and order it online from that other place, please remember that when you buy a discounted book, you're not only taking money away from the bookshop owner, the indie bookshop owner and the bookseller, you are taking money away from the team who created the book. Firstly, the author who may have spent years working on this book that you're going to enjoy reading. Then there's the rest of the team, the agent, the publishing team, which includes the formatter, the book cover designer, the marketing and PR team. These people all take a piece of the pie. And as books are discounted, that little piece of the pie becomes so skinny that by the time the author gets paid for that book, there's really not a lot left to pay him or her. It's actually a lot of bang for your buck if you think what goes <laughs> what goes into creating a book. Yeah, years and years. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. When you buy a book, it is like buying a piece of art. You get to take that creation home with you and read it. And I think that's worth quite a bit. Okay, now while we're talking about books, I would love to hear about South Carolina's popular contemporary local authors. Well, Charleston is quite a reading and writing community. So we have lots of authors who call this part-time home and lots of authors who come through here who may come and do research here, write here, and then um, and keep going. And as Charleston has become more popular as a destination, I it seems that a lot of authors are using it as a setting. So authors who aren't from here will come and and set their books here. But we have uh, our great fan of the bookstore and she's been a wonderful, wonderful supporter is Mary Alice Monroe and she's still writing. She's working on a book now that's wonderful and she's been good to us before we, she believed in us before we really knew what we were doing as far as uh, bookstores go. She's She's been lovely and continues to be. Um, uh, Victoria Benton Frank, um, another Southern woman writer, she would she would go into that category. And I actually didn't read her mother, Dorothea Bitten Frank. I didn't read her work, but she was wildly popular as a national writer. But uh, Victoria is um, doing great work and she comes into the store frequently and actually acts as an interlocutor with uh, with and does book clubs. Um, Stacey Willingham, I'm, I'm, I'm seeming to be skewing towards the women, but um Stacey Willingham writes thrillers and there hasn't said anything in Charleston, but she lives here and she's young and popular and doing great things and has a new book coming out in January. I need to think of men. Uh, Brad Taylor. He's a thriller. He writes. He doesn't write about Charleston either, but he lives here. Uh, Bernard Cornwell. <laughs> he lives here part time. He wrote The Last Kingdom. Um, anyway, we have wonderful um, Sydney Pike. I, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't mention everyone else. I better stop because I feel like I'm going to leave people out and, and hurt feelings. Wonderful poets. Yeah, I've had quite a few authors from your area on the show. As a bookseller and reader, what do you think it is that makes Southern writers' style different from other writers around the United States? Hmm. I know this. It, it might be difficult because I'm a I'm a Southerner, so I just think of it as I just think of them as writers. But I do love I when I I mentioned earlier that I lived in France um, for a while, but my children's father is French, and I don't think that I knew at the time. I did not know that I wasn't going to live there forever. 
So instead of reading a lot of French literature, I tend to go down to, I would go down to Shakespeare and Company and, and by Southern writers. I wanted, I was terribly homesick and I would read, read books about the, about the South. Um, I loved being in Paris, but I loved, I also loved reading about home. And I, I think it's just that powerful sense of place. Josephine Humphreys and um, Sue Monk Kidd. And I, I love um, Pat Conroy. I mean, I read all of those when I was in Paris, which is kind of fun and different. Um, authenticity, voice, uh, that powerful sense of place. And it's interesting because when I think of books written by Southern authors or poetry written by Southern writers, I kind of equate it a little to reading books in translation, which I love. As you mentioned, there is that sense of place. There's also a sense of identity and that lilting cadence of the way they speak comes out in their writing. And there's an honesty to their writing. And and also, I think it's a, a for me, it's always been a window into understanding um, this place where I live. Because I don't know that we are, as Southerners, I think we consider it impolite to be too honest, brutal when we speak, right? So we, I think it's, and I think that's an authentic part of us. I don't, I know, I know it's not always viewed that way from outsiders, but that we are, we're truly looking for the good. We're wanting things to be sometimes better than they are. We want ourselves to be better than we are, right? And, and it, it is through fiction, I think, primarily that we, we get to um, have a window into our own kind of souls and why, why we're the way we are. And I, and again, the, the changing landscape of publishing for Southern writers is exciting because we're hearing from voices from whom we didn't hear before. So we're getting to hear these perspectives and stories. And it's an exciting time to get to be a bookseller and to be part of kind of shepherding these voices into a community and encouraging someone who walks in looking for, um, say, Mary Alice Monroe and encourage them to um, read, you know, a, a new book, a, a memoir by someone who who doesn't look like them, <laughs> doesn't doesn't come from the same background. Yes, that's so true. Good point. Okay, now, as we record this interview, you are right in the middle of the Charleston Literary Festival. I would love to hear all about it and how Buxton Books is involved in this event. Yeah, well, we're thrilled. Uh, this is our fifth year being the booksellers for uh, the Charleston Literary Festival. And, you know, each year is better and better. And we always say that we do this all year long. We do. We're we're producing and we're either acting as just booksellers or helping produce events all year long. But for these 10 days, um, the Charleston Literary Festival brings in uh, really world-class authors. And it is something to behold. We're we're all a little tired. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'll probably listen back and think that I sound quite weary. But we're also excited. It's a thrilling time to have. Uh, we had uh, Claire Keegan and Laurie Moore and Sophia Sinclair and Adam Gopnik and Terry Kidder. And it... it Richard Ford. I mean, they're just, it's, and we're, we're not even halfway through. It's just been uh, really exciting. And this week um, we are on this, they're on stage at the Dock Street Theater, which is this beautiful historic uh, venue that still feels, it's large, but still feels intimate and uh, beautiful and conversations that really just range everything from art to race and climate uh, to fiction. It's just, it's really been, it's been extraordinary. Oh, it sounds wonderful. And I know I keep going back to this, but I can't help but think when you and Julian landed back in Charleston and created your businesses and these events based around stories, that fate played a part 
It's exciting. It is exciting. You know, through the tears, I was would make jokes that my life hadn't turned out as a dear diary. I hope I can move back to Charleston in my 40s and and uh, live in a suburb. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and yet uh, another Charlestonian, Stephen Colbert, and he said this so well. I heard him in an interview talking about um, life and that it is not a buffet. You don't get to choose the parts of your life. You get it all. And to be grateful for all of it, because it brings you right here to this day, to this conversation that you and I are having, to this, to uh, Julian and uh, and I being able to, our ability to do what we're doing. Uh, we could, I could not have done this 15 years ago. I couldn't have done this without both the good and the bad that happened in the life. It's, it's fun to talk about the um, kismet and the miracles and the serendipity but it's but it's also you may have to include in all of that the ones that didn't feel good at the time. <laughs> My grandmother used to say, "You're right where you're supposed to be," and uh, I, I happen to really like where I am right now. But I haven't always liked where I was. So, oh, I hear you. I hear you. I think sometimes heartache that we go through is actually the icing on the cake. We just don't realize it at the time. It's certainly an essential ingredient, right? <laughs> sure, yes. Okay, let's talk about books. What are you currently reading? Like you have time to read right now, right? I know, I know, but but we are, we're reading. And I actually just this morning reread Claire Keegan's um, So Late in the Day. Uh, it's a collection of stories and you may have read it. So Late in the Day was in The New Yorker. But this collection that Grove has put out, and I think I love the short story. I love that shorter format because you can read and reread it. And it really merits that. It merits rereading. And she's oh, she's such a beautiful writer. I know everyone probably has been reading her now. She's, But I, I believe that this newest collection will make people go back and read Foster and small things like these again. And you can because they're small. <laughs> the format allows you to reread, which is really, it's really special. Uh, also, Absolution. Absolution. We had the privilege pre-festival. We had the um, privilege. And to me, this was one of those points of life where I actually, at the end of the night, I had grateful tears streaming down my face because I, as I walked Alice McDermott to her hotel and then turned around and was standing across the street from the bookstore at night. And I looked over and I thought, I can't believe I get to do this. But um, Alice, we hosted Alice McDermott on the eve of the publication of Absolution, uh, her latest novel. And it, I think it's her best yet. It is set in 1963, Saigon. It's American women, the stories that, uh, a perspective that has not been told uh, yet. And it, she does it so beautifully through this novel. And I encourage you to read it. I think she hit the... I know she did. She uh, hit the New York Times bestseller list. So we got to play a little part in that, which was fun. That's fantastic. You know, it's really fun through the different stages of your life, and especially where you and Julian are now, when, as you said, you're it's night, you're looking across at the bookstore, and you think, wow, look what we've created. I mean, that's what life's about, right? And it's something to feel proud of. It is. It's the fuel that helps us get up when we're tired like we are today and go back and do another day of a festival, which is amazing. But thank you. I wanted to thank you for what you do to to champion bookstores. Uh, we need you. And it is. And I love inviting people into the understanding. I think when you tell the why behind the what, yes, you can get your books cheap and easy. We all know that. And that's not going away. Right. But it's but when you invite people in to the process and invite them to maybe they aren't going to buy all of their books 
from an independent bookshop. But when they when they see one, go in and buy a book. You can wait an extra day to let us order the book for you. Let us deliver it to you. Have a conversation. It all matters. And I thank you for being a part of that conversation and encouraging that. It, it It's the world. It means everything. Oh, thank you, Polly. I appreciate that. There was one thing that you said earlier about conversations in bookshops. And I was thinking, how many times have I been into a bookshop and I've overheard another customer talking about a book and I'll say, oh, if you've read that, you've got to read this one. And before you know it, people have congregated together and are talking about books they love. And for me, that is what life is about, bringing people together through stories. Absolutely. I love it. I don't know whether um, to tell you about this. This is actually an advanced reader copy. It's um, called Redwood Court, and it is from a South Carolina, African-American woman, um, South Carolina. It's set here in South Carolina. Her name is Delana Dameron and it is so beautiful. And I'm we're very excited about this. And it pubs doesn't pub until February. I usually don't talk about books that aren't out yet, but I think people should keep her. It's her debut novel and it's amazing. And I think a lot of people are going to be talking about it. So um I wanted to make sure that I get to mention Delana Dameron's book. Oh, thank you for that. That looks good. And I like reading debut authors. I'm currently reading The Lioness of Boston by Emily Franklin, which is fabulous. I've just finished reading Please Unsubscribe Thanks by Giulio Vincent Gambuto, and that's because I'm interviewing him for next week's episode. <laughs> and I'm rereading a couple of books by David Pepper. Uh, one of them is Laboratories of Autocracy and Saving Democracy. Uh, I recently interviewed him again in person. David writes both fiction and nonfiction, but his nonfiction books about saving democracy, I highly recommend reading, especially right now. It also dictates a lot of what I read. You and I have that in common. I, I read what I, I need to know before I'm going to be in someone's presence or in conversation. And it's uh, and I love it because it helps direct what I read. <laughs> and that's another reason why I love doing the Bookshop podcast and in-person events with authors. It encourages me to read out of my comfort zone and to read in genres that I normally wouldn't be reading. Polly, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy schedule and being a guest on the Bookshop podcast. And for anyone heading off to Charleston, read the New York Times article about things to do in Charleston and treat yourself to one of those book-based walking tours. Oh, please come to Charleston and see us. I'd love to, uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, please come. And um, we would love to walk with you and have uh, have conversations and talk books. And we would just love to see you. Please come to Charleston. Yes, I will. And I got to tell you, I'm a sucker for a ghost tour. Yes, yes. Do a walking tour out of Buxton Books. Come see us. It's and, and I, you know, that not that a fun thing that people are doing now is that I can't tell you how many people say we just got off the plane. And the first thing we did was come to the bookstore. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It is. I think it's a I think it's a very smart thing. You're going to get good recommendations. You're going to have a good conversation. And we say all the time, books connect us and they really do. Polly, thanks again for being a guest on the show. And I look forward to seeing you in Charleston. Well, it's such a privilege to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to my conversation with Polly Buxton from Buxton Books, an independent Charleston-based bookstore. To find out more about The Bookshop Podcast, go to thebookshoppodcast.com and make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to the show. 
You can also follow me at Mandy Jackson Beverly on X, Instagram, and Facebook, and on YouTube at The Bookshop Podcast. If you have a favorite indie bookshop that you'd like to suggest we have on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you via the contact form at thebookshoppodcast.com. The Bookshop Podcast is written and produced by me, Mandy Jackson Beverly. Theme music provided by Brian Beverly, executive assistant to Mandy, Adrian Otterhan, and graphic design by Francis Varala. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.